welcome back to another segment of Myths versus Facts. We've already established, although very briefly, the fact that the wing comprising the communist apparatus of the conspiracy founded the Republican Party. Now, if you're coming in late on this series, I invite you to go back and see that segment. It is very important. It's hard to believe, but uh, it's known history. If you ask the right questions, you can find out this information on the internet. Now, generally speaking, the Carbonari, as represented by Young America, gravitated more into the Democrat Party, but they were both still controlled by the master conspiracy, and I will show their manipulation relative to the elections because the political fix was in. In 1856, it was the first national election that included the Republican Party. The Republican candidate was John C. Fremont, the most radical man in the campaign. Now, considering we just finished up with, with the Civil War segments, it's worthwhile to note that if Fremont would have been elected in 1856, the Civil War would have started much sooner. Prior to the election of 1856, Fremont was an advocate of young America and helped bring California into the United States by the use of force, helping seize this mostly uninhabited area away from Mexico. Fremont, Fremont was not a nice character had a violent temper, and killed men when it was more convenient than sparing their lives. One of Fremont's traits was rarely respecting his superior officers in the Army, either before or during the Civil War. For instance, during the Civil War, Lincoln would have to rescind some of Fremont's orders due to the problems they created, such as immediately freeing the slaves within his jurisdiction. This demonstrates that freeing the slaves was not a major aim of Lincoln as most believe today. You can also tell a lot about a man by the company he keeps. As a major general, Fremont had generals and colonels under his command who were Marxist Germans and Hungarians, such as Franz Siegel, Louis Blenker, and Karl Schurz. Attracting radical socialists to his cause would be common for Fremont from 1856 on. This was evident when looking at the diverse political delegates that nominated Fremont at the 1856 convention of the Republican Party. They consisted of members of the order, such as the founder of Skull and Bones, Alfonso Taft. Those that flocked to his ticket were radical communist German organizations. He had notable German revolutionaries speaking on his behalf. This was concerning to many. Southern people were very afraid of the Republican Party. There were several states that were ready to pull out of the United States if Fremont would have been elected. This was certainly true of North and South Carolina and Louisiana. In 1856, the American people had the choice between three men for president. Fremont, one who was right at home with radicals. Buchanan, a man who had co-hosted a dinner in London with George Sanders for the conspiracy's radical leaders, or Millard Freemore in the southern wing of the American Party, nicknamed the Know-Nothings, who had mentored radicals. The American Party was run like a secret society, and when people who were members of it were asked about the party, they replied, I know nothing about it. Thus it became known as the Know-Nothing Party. As you can see, the election choices have not changed much over the years, taking Obama and the Romney, Bush, and Clinton families into account. 
1860, the second Republican candidate nominated for president was Abraham Lincoln. Did you know that prior to his presidential nomination, he actually came in second for the nomination of vice president in 1856? By the 1860 election, the convention that nominated Lincoln was broader in political scope, but still had a large radical contingent, plus the usual Skull and Bones members. Carl Schurz was one of the two men who escorted the permanent chairman to his seat in front of the convention hall in Chicago. Schurz served on the platform committee and became a member of the Republican National Committee. Schurz was heavily involved in Germany with communists and under their command during the revolutions of 1848 and other instances of a rebellion. Schurz came to the United States under the direction of the Carbonari leader Mazzini and was given letters of introduction to American leaders, which put him in great stead. He moved to Wisconsin immediately, where he was promoted by the governor and made a trustee of the University of Wisconsin and a colonel in the state militia within a very short time, a couple of three years. Schertz was made our ambassador to Spain by Lincoln, and upon his return, given a commission as a general in the Union Army. After the war, he was involved in several socialist initiatives, including the National Greenback Party, putting pressure on government to maintain its wartime initiative of using paper money as opposed to gold and silver, which was used from the beginning of our country up to the Civil War. There is much more that could be said about Carl Schurz. He was a key Republican leader and looked upon as the leader of the so-called German vote. He was not atypical of many of the leaders of the Republican Party generally unknown today. At the 1860 Republican Chicago Convention, the more radical preference was for Solomon Chase, but the forerunner was William Seward. Neither one of them could get the necessary votes for the nomination. Both men had a history of radical involvement, with John Brown, for instance, and both would be moderating, be, would moderate after the war. What is not well known is that bogus gallery tickets were printed which filled, which filled the convention hall, the galleries that is, with Lincoln supporters from around Illinois. It's unknown how much they swayed the delegates for Lincoln with their constant cheering for Lincoln from the sidelines. On the third ballot, Lincoln came in with only one and a half votes needed to nominate, and four changed their vote to put him over the top. It was close. This would be the only time that Lincoln would run on the Republican Party ticket. Most people think that's not uh, true, but it is true. During the war, due to the rejection by Americans of the radical Republicans, including the radical members of the cabinet, Lincoln would run on the National Union Party, formed only to re-elect Lincoln. The Radical Republicans formed the Radical Democracy Party, running Fremont again, while the Democrats ran General McClellan. The entire exercise was a ruse, to gain votes for the radical agenda while making it appear to be something else. The tactic of the left has always been to form more radical organizations to make their main organization seem moderate in comparison. This is what happened in the election of 1864. Since they knew they could not re-elect Lincoln on the radical agenda of the Republican Party, they made it appear as if the Republicans had split and nominated Lincoln on one ticket, the National Union Party, and Fremont on a more radical ticket, the Radical Democracy Party, 
making Lincoln look moderate. At no time were there any radical policy changes made by Lincoln or changes in the cabinet. They remained the same. Shortly before the election, Fremont reluctantly drew in favor of the more moderate Lincoln. It was show business, and it worked. Even today, the modern political analysts haven't figured it out. To better understand the problem in 1864 under Lincoln, the North was, merely, was nearly a complete dictatorship. Transportation and communications were for all practical purposes nationalized. The writ of habeas corpus, for instance, was suspended. Military tribunals replaced civilian courts in a large portion of the North and in the border states. A secret police system existed in the military and in the Department of the Treasury. Wiretapping was performed on telegraph lines. Domestic passports were issued in order for citizens to travel in many parts of the country. Entire counties were evacuated, as well as Jews, in some areas controlled by the Union Army. And many military units were under the command of European and domestic communists. Indeed, the entire War Department was under the leadership of renowned communists like Charles Dana. Few have heard that the state of New Jersey, for instance, passed a resolution in their legislature condemning the conduct of the war and its onerous effect on the population. This was the condition that called for the ruse to re-elect Lincoln. Next week, the election of 1860 itself. Just how did this backwoods rail splitter Lincoln get the nomination? He was not that well known. 